Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre owned inventory. Tremendous sales staff, great deals to be had. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the text I sent before the show. First 10 minutes of today's show will be about the only true athletic achievement of the past four months. We will now tell you what that athletic achievement happens to be. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go to Johnstown, to Sunny Hanna Country Club, fabulous where they have the Sunny Hannah Amateur every year. You go into the into the club and the pictures, and these aren't like just a couple small pictures of all big pictures on the wall of all the people over the years that have participated in this. Tiger Woods two different years. Phil Mickelson, I think three different years. Ricky Fowler's won it twice. Fred Couples, I mean, on and on you go. There's one picture after another. It's Jack Nicholas. Arnold Palmer. Storied Country Club. Now I had the chance, the opportunity, to spend significant time with three terrific people. Bob Brumbaugh whom I got to know through Jack Ham, and now I've known him for 20-plus years, 21 years. Great, great guy. And not only that, can re- he, can, he can drive it, boy. Boy, I wish I hit his, had his driving game. Uh, Ron Moeller, 
the aforementioned one who is uh, we've talked about Ron many times. I mean, you know, if you want to pick somebody in the face of the earth that is a shirt off your back guy, it is Ron Bowler, who, by the way, is a fabulous player. And, of course, Jack Ham. So yesterday we get to the 10th hole at Sunny Hanna Country Club. It is a downhill 110-yard hole where uh, there's a little slope on the left-hand side, more flat on the right-hand side. Jack takes out a pitching wedge, wafts it high in the air toward the hole, hits that ridge on the left side, and then starts trickling down. And we're like, what a fabulous shot. Great shot. And I think I'm going to hit next. I think I don't think I'd hit yet. So it's just trundling down, trundling down, and I thought it had stopped. So I walk up. I'm going to tee it up next. And all of a sudden, Bob Brumbaugh says, Brumby looks over and says, it went in the hole. You got a hole in one. <laughs> We're looking over there. He's like, the ball is gone. It's in the hole. Jack Ham had a hole in one yesterday. That pitching is wedge, impressive. Pitching wedge, the first one I've ever witnessed. And I missed the last foot of it. Because <laughs> I was so consumed with me, as usual. And it was remarkable. And we're like, hey, this is great. This is, wow, unbelievable. I've never seen one before. Now, for Jack, it's his second hole-in-one. So now we go to the next hole. And so Ron, Brummy, and I try to, uh, med- we at least mentioned to him, hey, you got to take, you know, he's, he's going to tee it up. He says, um, you think maybe you got to take that ball out? He goes, no, 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 it's a lucky ball. I should keep playing it. Like, well, yeah, but usually you get a hole in one, you know. And somebody, had, I can't remember, maybe it was Ron. Said, yeah, you know, he could mount it on a plaque or whatever. He says, he says, you guys have been to my house. He said, yeah. We we're like, oh, that's right. If you've ever been to Jack's house, you'll one thing that you'll notice you'll never notice if Jack ever attended a pro football game, let alone be a Hall of Famer in it. Okay. Uh, look, he's modest to begin with. So he says, no, I want to keep it in play. So he steps up and he it's a dog, it's a par five dog leg right, and he hits and it goes straight through the. There's two pine trees on the right hand side, and he hit and it went straight through the trees. And it's, he said, "Oh no, I can't believe it." I said, "No," I said, "Jack, I think you got through." I said, "I think you got through the trees." You're like, oh, okay. Uh. Now, we're in the same cart, so I, I'm actually in the fairway on the left-hand side, so I'm, I'm fine, so that we don't have to spend any time looking for my ball. Uh, and Ron Muller was to the left, but he was okay, and Brummy was in the fairway as well. So Jack and I go down to look for his ball, and we find it, and, boy, he not only got through the trees, like, holy mackerel. He is not a – you're not talking about uh, a long iron shot in. So he knocks it in there. 
I don't know, about uh, 25 feet away, whatever. Then he putts for eagle, and he comes up an inch and a half short of an eagle. Ah. He, ta- he taps in for birdie. So we get in the cart, and we're over on 12. I said, I said let me give you a really, really great stat here. Because what happened was, during all this, I actually, I parred 10 and I parred 11. Okay? <laughs> it's like, I'm like, hey, I'm doing great. Uh, I looked over and I said, do you realize in the back nine, I'm even par and I'm three shots in back of you? <laughs> How about that? I mean, he almost went. He all he came within an inch and a half of being hole in one eagle. How about that? Quite amazing. I texted it to you yesterday. Yes, you did. To which I said, "We need to sign him up for the Purdy tournament." I told you he could play. I mean. I mean, clearly. Well, what frustrated? Well, see, this what frustrated him yesterday. Look, I'd never played here before, and I'm on the practice putting green, and I'm tapping the ball and it's flying. I'm like, oh. Well, for the most part, I adjusted pretty well to putting on the greens. For the most part, it doesn't mean I was perfect. I mean, a couple times when I'm like, hey, I think it was the 17th hole, I hit one, and it was, I don't know, it was like a 30-foot putt. I think it was a 30-foot putt for par or something like that. <laughs> like, it's going down. It's, it's, like it's like a bullet. <laughs> and what bailed me out is it hit the flag. Boom. <laughs> like, we're on. I, I looked at everybody and said, well, I had the line. <laughs> So I thank God for the flag because I would have ended up on the 14th fairway. <laughs> okay. So Jack was a little frustrated early with his putting. And after the hole in one, I said, you know, it was kind of like the happy Gilmore moment. <laughs> he said, isn't it just easier to put it in on one shot? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because then, I mean, the back night, he, he played a great back night. He was incredible yesterday. He really was um, all the way through. But those are, I mean, I can't handpick three better just people, guys, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, look, I mean, we've all been friends for a long time uh, to do that with. But he did that. That's his second lifetime hole in one. And it's the first one I've ever seen. And I saw most of it. <laughs> saw most of it. You were there nonetheless. Well, I was bending down to to, to, to put my tee in so I could hit. Then I did. I what I did was I hit mine. I think I hit like fifteen feet to the right of the hole, and two putt and got a par. Like <laughs> Captain Mundane over here. <laughs> Guy in my car got a hole in one. <laughs> Holy mackerel. And so there you are. That was, as I told him, I said, I'm going to talk about the only significant athletic achievement that anyone has had. <laughs> 
in the last four months. <laughs> so where's the ball now? Does he still have it? No, he has it. Now he, he finished the round with it. In fact, in our group yesterday, in our group, we lost a total of two golf balls. And we could have uh, one uh, one uh, went in the water. So one went in the water. I'm trying to think. Moulton, Ron didn't lose any. Ron Moeller didn't lose. You know, Jack might have lost one on a par three. Um, on the front nine. I think, I'm trying to think. I think, I, I'm, I don't know. I might have par. I think it, we ended up, there was no blood on that hole. That's what we refer to it as. Because, <laughs> no, no, because Ron Moeller parted, and I think I parted. So the no was it was okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he found his ball in the hole. Brummy put his ball into the water on that hole, and then there was another hole, maybe in the next one after that, where I hooked a drive into a tall grass behind a bunker. And Jack and I started to look for it. I said, Jack, I said, what the heck with this? I mean. I said, I don't think we should go in there. I said, you know what? I don't think anybody needs to uh, risk Lyme disease here. My, I said, my attitude is the, is that of the people who make Doritos. You know, Doritos always says we'll make more. Yes. So when it comes to when it comes to golf balls, they'll make more. I said, I'm dropping. <laughs> well, no, because again, why do you want to go? In, I mean, it was in tall grass. Now, could we have found the ball? Yes, it probably was not that far in because we saw it go in. All right, but I'm sorry, it's not worth going in there. It's just not. Yeah, it's, it's so yeah. I think I think that in our group total, we only lost three. And no, he did not lose the hole in one ball. Okay. He played a fabulous back nine. Every time he turned around, he was making a play. Oof. But, yes, a hole in one. We now know what the opening will be on the radio network. You've just heard it. It does not hurt Mr. Ham that he brought his own play-by-play guy with him. <laughs> <laughs> so when it's over with, um, it was actually the sixth hole-in-one at Sunny Hannah this year. They brought the flag in, uh, had it all set to go. Um, they had... 110-yard PW, pitching wedge, hole-in-one, date on it. And then uh, Brummy, Ron Moeller, and I signed the top of the flag because we were the witnesses. Um, and then Jack signed the bottom of the flag, and then they took a picture of all of us. So. Look, we had a blast, okay? We really did. There is a lot to talk about today, uh, including uh, we're going to have the general manager of the Denver Nuggets on. You're like, people are sitting here in the Valley saying we're going to have the general manager of the Denver Nuggets on? 
believe me, we're still trying to get the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs on since he's a Mount Carmel guy. But the reason we're going to have the general manager of the Denver Nuggets on today is it's Calvin Booth, the former Nittany Lion. He officially ascended to the job this week. Officially ascended to the job this week. And he's going to join us from the bubble in Orlando. And looking forward to hearing from him. Um, And that is... uh, We'll hear from him a little bit later in the show. Stanford... Uh, will go through this year with its normal sponsored 36 sports, 36 varsity sports. But when the 2021 academic year is over with, Stanford's going to cut 11 sports. Among the sports they will cut will be wrestling and field hockey. This is what they're going to be dropping. Men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Now, there are a lot of numbers that go behind this. And obviously there are a lot of sports here, for example, that probably most of you did not even know were varsity sports. You probably didn't know that lightweight rowing, men's and women, uh, co-ed and women's sailing and squash and synchronized swimming were NCAA sports. This is going to affect 240 student-athletes, 22 coaches, and 27 and sports have produced 27 Olympic medals. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. What great product lines, huh? But then they have great pre-owned vehicles. Sales staff that is terrific. So easy to work with. There are a lot of deals to be had. We know what interest rates are like right now. And they have a service department that takes care of the vehicle for the life of it. That's all at Sunbury Motors. And the service department's terrific. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The uh, Ravens say they're going to drastically cut their capacity. They think they'll get it to 14,000, which is an 81% cut. I like that stadium, by the way. Uh, Normally, its capacity is 71,000. Penn State played Maryland in there uh, a couple of years ago. 
and we had a broadcast booth that was in between the two decks at like the 35, 40-yard line. I looked over at Jack, and I said, I can tell you right now, based on this broadcast location, any mistake that is made here today, I said, is absolutely on me. <laughs> it won't be because of angle, distance, or anything. The game was right, right there like it was a big screen TV. Uh, but they're going to have 14,000, they say, will be their number in that stadium. So that's one. The Patrick Mahomes contract. Two elements here. Number one is um, with Patrick Mahomes, and number two is with Brett Veach, Mount Carmel's own. Uh, because Lee Steinberg will tell you Brett Veach was the lead negotiator on this. And just so you're wondering, as an agent, what the cuts are. Do you know what the cuts are for an agent, Matt? That I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I'm going to venture to say 98% of the audience doesn't know this. It really is a, a predetermined number um, based on what sport it happens to be. Baseball is 5% for an agent. The NBA is 4%. The NFL is 3%. All right? Hope that helps. Okay, so you're like, how much cut did the agent get? You see the contract in, in, in Major League Baseball, that agent got 5%. Scott Boris, as an example. NBA agent, 4%. NFL agent, which in this case is uh, Lee Steinberg, a uh, justified legend among the agents, 3%. Okay? So that's how, how the number works. So Lee Steinberg's group... Uh, Negotiated for Mahomes, Brett Feach for the Chiefs primarily. And this contract is, let's face it, I mean, let's throw, let's not just give you the, the million number. Let's just, like, do it this way. The contract, if everything is fulfilled in it, is more than a half billion dollars. A little different phraseology, a little different way of thinking about it, right? Half billion dollars over 10 years. Are there bonuses in it? Yes. Are there uh, incentives in it? Yes. Now, I don't know if there are crazy incentives in it. One of the first $100 million contracts in the National Football League was Drew Brees. I'm sorry, my, my apologies, wrong, wrong was Drew Bledsoe. One of the first $100 million contracts in the NFL was Drew Bledsoe. But it was loaded with all sorts of incentives. You know what one of the incentives that actually paid a lot of money happened to be? It Bledsoe led the Patriots in special teams tackles for the season. <laughs> How about I'm not that? joking. Wow. I'm not joking. All right? When I'm joking, Matt, I'll tell you. No. <laughs> right. But that was, in other words, that's what some of these contracts have. There's a little hocus pocus in there when it comes to some of the NFL contracts. But what Patrick Mahomes has done and what Brett Veach was able to do on the Chiefs side of it was to negotiate a contract that locks him up for 10 years but keeps the cap number workable. So 
the other day we were talking about the Mahomes contract, and I said, now it's going to be a challenge for Brad Beach. How do you work around the number? Well, then you start reading the contract, and you now realize he's got a lot more flexibility with how this is structured that allows him to put a team around Patrick Mahomes. Conversely, Patrick Mahomes, who obviously values this contract because he's going to sign it or has signed it, but also values winning because he knows the contract gives him the flexibility and the Chiefs the flexibility to put a winner around him. That was, I mean, that's what they did yesterday. Or that's what they did this week. So you're here, you'll hear the story that Mahomes could have, quote, been able to get more. Probably. But he also wants to win. And you can't win if all the money is tied up in one guy and you're trying to just put players around him. For years, Tom Brady, because his personal circumstances are different, I think, than most people's, or most individuals, I should say, people's, sorry, most individuals, because his wife, obviously, is individually wealthy. I mean, Tom Brady's individually wealthy, too, but he could take less in his contract because he could probably get away with it, and he did it so they could put players around him to win. That meant a lot to Brady. Now, you notice the Brady number went up the last couple of years with the Patriots. You know, in this past season, we talked about the Patriots trying to fit in guys around him. I mean, it's not nothing really to do with his contract, but they didn't have as much financial flexibility to do it. Russell Wilson's a perfect example. Third-round pick, making third-round money. That allowed the Seahawks to put other players around him especially a couple of key free agent pickups, investing money in keeping their defense among veterans. And the Seahawks won a Super Bowl and then were Malcolm Butler interception away from winning a second straight Super Bowl. Wilson then gets a contract that on a relative scale is commensurate with his ability and what he means to the franchise. A four-year extension at $35 million per year. So the Seahawks have to be a little more inventive with how they spend their money because the key player that they absolutely have to have is locked up, but is locked up at a number. That's the challenge. So when you look, I'm going to tell you right now, the the next two guys that are going to be 
or excuse me, next three guys that are critical in terms of signing. Their agents are all going to go in, I would think, and have one name primarily in their mind when they negotiate. And here are the three quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. And to me, if I am their agent, the name I have in mind is Jared Goff. I mean, Goff's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's at $32 million a year. You're telling me that Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott, they can't make less than him if I'm their agent. They can't make less than Jared Goff. They have to be making more than Jared Goff because he's a good, not great NFL quarterback. It's also going to be interesting to see what they do with the length of contracts. I do not expect the Mahomes 10-year deal to be the standard. I think it's going to be somewhere between what Mahomes did with 10 years and what LeBron James does all the time. Obviously, two different leagues, two different sports, two different CBAs. But LeBron James has brilliantly, brilliantly, Negotiated contract, or you know, his people have negotiated contracts over the years because every time the cap goes up, he gets a new number. Why? Because he takes advantage of the opt out. I think with the Lakers, he signed a three year deal, I believe. But he had opt out clauses, and every time he opted out, there was a new number. And let's face it, you need to you need to sign him. There are very few athletes I would pay to see, like myself. Where, in other words, I'll pay to go see games, but I'm not going to go in there and specifically pay. I'm going to this game because guess what? I want to see that person play. There are very few people I would do that with. Now, I would say Saquon is one of them, but for three years I got paid to, <laughs> to, watch, to watch his games. and Man, I enjoyed every second of that. So besides Saquon, the people I'd pay to see as an individual, I'd pay to see Mahomes. I'd pay to see LeBron. And let's see. Now I'd pay to see Aaron Rodgers. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I'd pay to see. Like way back when, I would have paid to see Lemieux play. I actually saw Gretzky play, so that's I never got a chance to see Orr. I would have paid money to see Orr play. Um, boom, 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 boom. Who would I pay money to see? But among today's athletes, I'd pay to see Mahomes. I'd pay to see LeBron. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I paid to see Jordan play, but again, you know. But I didn't have to and saw him play. So, you know, obviously I'm in a little different spot than the vast majority of people. Who would you pay to see, Matt? Definitely all the above that you just mentioned. 
Um, I would pay to see Drew Brees. It's some, you know, for me, some, some of these are people that I broadcast their games. So, in other words, they, they're not on my radar. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, you know, I did a couple of Drew Brees games, so I don't have to. You know what I mean? Um, I would also pay to see Aaron Judge. Okay. See, there's no baseball player I'd pay to see. Somebody brought up Mike Trout to me, and I said, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go to a game where Mike Trout played. You know, I, mean, I would, but that's, you know, eh, eh, you know. Let's see, and then hockey. I mean, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to go to uh, a couple two pen, two Penguin games, so I've seen Malkin and Crosby play. Yeah. Um, NBA, same. I think we said will be LeBron. I would have obviously paid to see MJ. Right. Because I, you know, I saw Bird play in person, but I mean, I was with a press pass. I saw uh, MJ play in person. I was with a press pass. See, so for me, I, I kind of slough that stuff off. I shouldn't because I understand for a fan, they're not they're like, hey, don't slough that stuff off. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. Um Well, going back to hockey, I would pay to see Ovechkin. Now, I'll say, you know when I saw Gretzky? You'll love this. I saw Gretzky play with the Indianapolis Racers of the WHA. So in the early days, okay. It was his first year. And, Matt, he didn't wear 99 either. You know what number he wore? 17. Wow. You want, know why, you want to know why he wore 17? It's his age. Okay. I see the connection there. No, that's why That's why they gave him that number. It was, he was 17 years old. That yeah. time, the, NA, the NHL was, you know, 18 was the number. WHA's like, well, we're not beholden to you. <laughs> what were the fans? Who would you pay to see? Like a specific, not just your team, but who would you pay to see? It's a great question to ask fans. Is there an athlete? Would you pay to see Mahomes? Would you pay to see Lamar Jackson? Would you pay to see LeBron? Would you pay to see Trout? Like specifically, you're going to go to that game only because that person is playing. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Who would you pay to see? In other words, you know, if you're an Orioles fan over the years, maybe you paid to go see specifically, I've got to see Ripken play before he's done. I've got to see Tony Gwynn play before he's done. I've got to go, you know. You know, there's got to be 
And believe me, there are a lot of people that, hey, look, they... love sports and there's just certain people that are legendary or put on such a performance you have to see so who would that be well we're going to hear from Calvin Booth next half hour talking with the general manager of the Denver Nuggets he is actually going to join us from the bubble in Orlando I said to him I said how much time do you have and he says Steve right now we could we could do the interview for twenty four hours. <laughs> I've got all the time in the world down here. <laughs> like, oh great. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. So I was mentioning in the open about Jack Ham's hole in one yesterday on the tenth hole at Sunny Hannah. And, you know, I brought it up, and the suit said, well, I've had a hole-in-one. I said, really? I said, that's great. I said, I said, I said what course, what hole? He says, he said it was, it was on the eighth hole, he said, and it went through the clown's mouth. And it, I said, what? <laughs> he said, Happy Valley Mini Golf. I'm like, no, no. I think it's sad. I don't know what you're at. We all have our accomplishments, Matt. <laughs> now we do. And... For the suit on that particular day on the eighth hole at Happy Valley Mini Golf, when that ball went into the clown's mouth, it meant everything. Actually, it was on the 18th hole where it went into the clown's mouth. And you know why, why I didn't really think it was such a great accomplishment? Is that everybody on 18 gets a hole in one, they have to get the ball back. 